0: Hello, and welcome to Dungeon Chatter. This is Travis.
1: This is Victoria.
0: And today, we're going to talk about character creation. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> hey, hey, here's the
1: plan. Here's my setup for you. Um. And then, I'll do not that at all. <laughs>
0: All right. Hello, and welcome to Dungeon Chatter. This is Travis.
1: This is Victoria.
0: And today, C is for
1: character creation.
0: Cool. Um, so the general idea behind the Dungeon Chatter podcast is that every week uh, we will be uh, talking through some aspect of an RPG, and we're going alphabetically. Uh, so this week is C for character creation. And as we're uh, working through these, we're not just talking about how other systems handle these components of the uh, RPG, say creation and uh, development and playing. Uh, we're also actually creating an RPG as we go.
2: Yes. Exciting.
0: Uh, yeah. And um, let's see, so last time we talked about uh, B was for?
1: Blood of Heroes, Blood of Heroes, I had that one, let me tell you.
0: (laughs) Uh, B was for Blood of Heroes, and that is the name of our fantasy setting. So we talked through a little bit of uh, some of the inspirations for the fantasy setting, and uh, this week we're going to talk about uh, a couple different versions of how, how different games handle character creation. So... The act of that first time when you get together, um, that first session is often um, just designed or centered around, let's all make our characters. Uh, and so we're going to talk through a couple of different systems, uh, how different games handle that, and then we're going to come up with a proposal uh, for character creation in the chatter system. So it'll be a lot of conversation and a lot of talking. Sounds cool. good. And so before we dig into the material for today, I just want to remind you uh, that if you're interested, you can see the show notes and sign up for our uh, mailing list. We're going to have some really cool stuff there. I have no idea what it will be, but we'll have some pretty cool stuff. We'll, in we'll come
1: up with something <laughs> eventually at some point before it gets to you, <laughs> hopefully.
0: Yeah, we'll probably have some, uh, I don't know, some sneak peeks at some of the stuff that we're going to do um and uh, maybe in the future there'll be i don't know events or online yeah. hangouts or something
1: i mean we were talking last week about um possibly some story stuff oh, yeah. maybe i can get some art done whatever
0: sure thing yeah so um see the show notes for that and uh you can always head over to twitter that's something you can do now and check out at dungeon chatter with no space um that will be the That is the Twitter handle. You can check us out there. Mm -hmm. Interact with us. We'll be sure to get back to you. Okay. So let's talk about systems, character creation. Um, And so I actually don't know of any system that is fully just one style. Uh, So let me lay out these three ideas. Um, There's uh, what we might call a role, um, a selection, and a purchase uh, variation of character creation uh and so um in a roll when you're rolling i mean you're obviously rolling dice for it uh, and so the most popular, I think, mechanic for this is D&D. Uh, when you played uh, most recently, how did you create a character in that game? Do you remember?
1: Uh, so for that that homebrew sort of one, the experimental mm-hmm. one, um, it was a, an interesting setup because we really only rolled for the main six stats, the strength, the constitution, yada, yada.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then we were just sort of given everything based on what we rolled for those stats. Mm-hmm. So he determined our speed, our stamina, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, based on those six roles. And I mean, we, we, there were other things too. Like, we could be like, oh, well, eventually I want to have this really awesome, like, broadsword that does this and this. And he's like, all right, so we're going to start you off with a jank ass sword. And mm-hmm. eventually you can maybe get to that. So there was a bit of like, here's what I foresee for the character. And then he would sort of give you something okay. uh, based on what you said.
0: Okay, do you remember what um, the die rolling system was?
1: It was uh, just roll a d20, and anything that was below, that was 6 or below, you got rid of. Mm-hmm. So you kept your, you would roll until you had 6 that were above um, 7, 7 or above, Okay. and then you could assign them to whichever stat you wanted in that system.
0: Okay. Um, I think that the original D&D rules were um, roll 3 dice 6 for each stat, and you get what you get. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: there was like a, a condition, like if your numbers didn't like add up to at least something, you got to reroll something.
0: No, no, not, really? not in the original game. No. Oh uh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's rough, uh, rough. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the way that the uh, that that system works is um, the most common scores is right around a ten and a half. So a ten and eleven are the most common scores,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, and the you know sixteen, seventeen, eighteen are pretty rare. But so also is the three, four, five um and so 345 is really bad 16 17 18 is really good um and it gives you this nice bell curve of stats
2: mm-hmm.
0: um and so <clears throat> because you might think that um your character is going around trying to kill the, all those dragons um uh, remember how we talked about in the last part yeah, that's podcast. all you do in the <laughs>
1: indie uh, dungeons and dragons and that is it
0: so the characters going around trying to kill all those dragons might not want to have a lot of tens and elevens mm-hmm. so um people came up with alternate rolling methods and maybe it was roll four die six get rid of the lowest one
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh or maybe it was um uh, more than that I think so uh I think Unearthed Arcana was a, a supplement that came out in I don't even remember late eighties i think um <clears throat> maybe very early nineties and it was for d and d and a d and d actually. And it would have you uh, sort of roll 9 die 6 for your main stat, then 8 for your second, then 7, then 6, then 5, then 4, then 3, because there are actually 7 stats, uh, including comeliness, how how attractive you are. Mm -hmm. Um, And so uh, the characters, uh, you had a good chance of getting a good roll in your major areas. Uh, Now, if you did all that and you still ended up with you know, you roll nine dice and you get a seven strength, and you're a fighter. I mean, that's not awesome. Uh, it's possible though. You're you're only keeping the three highest dice. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah. All right, gotcha.
0: Yep. So um, the stats do range in that system. Then in that system, from three to eighteen, um, and then and to find anything higher than eighteen is super rare. Um, so that's the the rolling component. Mm-hmm. Uh, three dice six, the base system. Uh, Middle Earth role playing um used percentile dice so you would uh roll a one two ten sided dice uh one of them it would count as the tens place and one would count as the ones place so if you rolled a seven five it's 75 if you roll a zero one it's one if you Mm -hmm. roll zero zero it's 100
2: Mm -hmm.
0: um and i think the way those rules were set up was that if you roll something below like a 15 or below you can re-roll uh, but our parties were never terribly interested in playing wimpy characters. Yeah, I imagine. <clears throat> so we actually played where you could call the dice either way, so you didn't have to call what was 10s or 1s until afterwards. And if it was under a 25, uh, you could reroll. roll um, That would still sometimes mean you would wind up with a score in the 40s or 50s, which was not particularly impressive. But it also greatly increased your chances of winding up with at least one score in the 90s, which is, in that game, incredibly important for your uh, what's called a In Dungeons & Dragons, you have race and class. Uh, So your race might be human, elf, dwarf. Those are the main ones, we'll just say. Mm -hmm. Um, And in Middle Earth, uh, you have those too. Uh, But then in uh, D&D, you have a class, say like warrior, rogue, cleric, magic user. Uh, But in Middle Earth, uh, you have a profession. Um, And so um, if you wanted to be successful in your profession, you had to have a good stat. And so uh, there was, I don't remember if there was a, this was a rule that was suggested or if this is a rule that we came up with, that you could, just, uh, you could just take a 90 in your prime stat. So
1: You could just decide to? Yeah. Okay.
0: So uh, now you couldn't do that if you, so if you rolled all your dice, um, you couldn't pick and choose which stat would be which and then give a low stat and then say, oh, and I'll take a 90 in my, like I'll put my, my low score in my strength. And I'll just take a 90 there, you, you had to uh, roll them in order. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
0: so uh, maybe you would say, Here, here's my roll for my strength, and you roll and you go, and you roll a 55, and you're like, okay, I'm going to take a 90 for my strength, and I'm going to be a warrior. And then you go. Okay. Okay. So
1: you you wouldn't decide what your profession was beforehand, or you would?
0: Um... Uh, You didn't have to.
1: You didn't have to? Okay, yeah. interesting. Yeah.
0: And you, and you know, and you might want to wait, right? So if you, um, I know that sometimes this sounds fun. Like, uh, I'm going to play a warrior, and then you roll. Yeah, your seven strength. You're like, uh, I don't really want to be a warrior with the seven yeah. strength. This sounds awful. Um, or I'm going to be a thief
2: mm-hmm.
0: for the six decks. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: It'd be fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: it might be fun, and if a you know if a party wants to do that, and if a player wants to do that, go for it. Yeah, but uh, it doesn't sound awesome to me. Um, Mm. It it, it might be funny, right?
1: It'd be fun for a little bit, but not for like, we tend to want to get into those like year long, Mm -hmm. multiple year campaigns where we get really invested.
0: And And I agree, you know, for a, a one night, you don't see your friends very often, like maybe once a year and you get together and you roll up a thief with a six... Dexterity, yeah, that's funny. That'd
1: be hilarious. <clears throat> I could really enjoy
0: that. <laughs> Especially if you insist on using your thieving skills all the time. Uh, like, I got this, guy. I got this. <laughs> With my six
1: decks. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> um, so that that's what it is to roll. And, and it, it could be die six. It could be 20 uh, ciders, It could be hun- hundreds, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just rolling for something. <clears throat> um, then there's um, selecting. And as you've already seen perhaps, uh, we talked about how even in a game like D&D where you're rolling for your stats, you're selecting certain aspects of it. So you might choose your race and your dexterity, I'm sorry, your race and your class.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, or in Middle-earth role-playing, you might choose your uh, yeah your race and your profession. Uh, but some games go beyond that and they allow you to select essentially everything about your character. <clears throat> so um, in the storyteller systems, and we've talked about them previously, um, in uh, Vampire and Werewolf, uh, you have like physical, mental, social, roughly, um, and you get a certain number of points to split up among those three. Like, mm-hmm. I think it, uh, it's been a while, but I think it's three, five, seven, but I could be wrong, or two, four, six. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you choose, I'm going to put six points toward my physical, and then you choose how you want to distribute those six points. So you're choosing all those aspects of how your character gets fleshed out. Um yeah, uh, so that, that's what it is to select something.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and in uh, D&D 2nd Edition, there is a selection component too. So not only are you choosing your race and your class, you're choosing, back in the day, they were called non-weapon proficiencies. Now they're skills or whatever they call them.
1: Yeah, skills and feats.
0: Um, yeah, so um, you, would, you would choose those uh, back in the day. And then there are some systems, uh, so that, that's the rolling and the selecting. And then the, the um, third type of system is a purchase system. Um, And these are for, this is especially for uh, games that get kind of um, multiple tiers to them. So there's a game system called GURPS, Generic Universal Role-Playing System. And GURPS could be a game where it's just a bunch of um, mundane people going Mm -hmm. out and trying to solve problems, um, or it could be superheroes. Uh, and so the character creation rules actually give you a number of points, like a pool to work from. And so maybe if th- these aren't these numbers are not accurate, right? But but if you're a, a normal person, maybe you get 100 points to buy up all of your skills. Uh, but if you're a superhero, maybe you get 300 points to buy up all your skills. And that roughly does mean something like you'll be at least three times as capable. Um, and so in the 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 purchasing versus the selection, one of the big differences is typically that. Um, for purchasing, it it's often very easy to purchase um, poor scores and very hard to purchase really expensive scores, but kind of normal, like, intermediate cost to get an average score. So if you're willing to sacrifice in a couple areas, you could end up with some tremendous skills.
1: So it's like, like so if you want to put, and I don't understand the system, like, mm. I haven't tried to play it before, mm. but if you want to put, like, a three in something, it might only cost three, but if you go over a certain number, the, like the cost per point gets more? Oh,
0: yeah. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: That's interesting.
0: Yeah, and so maybe you could have a character who walks around, like, say, suppose you have six stats, and we're thinking roughly about D&D, 3 to 18 range. Maybe you could have, you know, three threes and three 18s, mm-hmm. uh, which might be fun to play. <laughs> See, that'd so, <laughs> be
1: fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so there is a level of personalization there. Um, some of the benefits, very quickly, of the, both the selection and the purchase uh, method or that you can really create a character on your own and no one can call you on it because you can always demonstrate that you followed the rules. Um, if you say, oh, I rolled up this character on my own, check out the yeah, stats. Yeah. Oh, that's a lot of 16s and 17s and 18s. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, so that was always a bummer that you couldn't uh, work on your, you know, you would have to roll up your character and then plan or plan and then hope that you rolled well yeah. uh, in a rolling system. Mm-hmm. Okay, so those are the three systems. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we've talked through, um, so uh, GURPS and Marvel are two of the purchase systems that I know of. Um, the Storyteller is a selection-based, and uh, D&D and MERP are role, I, in fact, I think most games tend to have at least some role component to them. Yeah. But again...
1: Most yeah. tabletop, yeah, for sure, mm-hmm. RPGs. I think mm-hmm. the the purchase system is like more popular in video games, because it's basically mm, just right. randomizing and... That's way less fun to just, like, click a button and be like, oh, it gave me a six. When uh, when you roll a die, you at least have the physicality of, like, oh, it's a six or whatever. Yeah.
0: yeah. And so uh, we finished uh, talking about the, the concept, which is character creation, and we've uh, kind of given a quick survey of some of the system, the types of uh, character creation system out there. Um, <clears throat> so now we'll just, uh, share some stories, uh, yeah. some either, um, pleasant stories or not so pleasant stories that we've had with character creation. You want to start us off?
1: Yeah. Um, so I've got a, a not so pleasant story, um, uh, about that, that experimental, and it was only experimental. I'll, I'll preface this by saying it was experimental. The, the DM was trying some stuff out. Um, but so that, that character creation setting, it felt like there was not a lot of control on the character's part because... You rolled six numbers, and then a lot of things were handed to you, and um, there were also some, like, interesting aspects as far as, like, what actually did what that didn't quite line up with the normal D&D, which is what I was used to, or at least D&D 3.5. Um, so I ended up with this, uh, this dwarf um, who was a tank, like, had some tank stats, because, again... So he, he let us drop anything below uh, six, like six or below. So I ended up with like a 20, an 18, two 19s. Like I had really high stats. Um, but And I, so I put them in like strength and constitution. And my plan was to be like this tank who would just run out and like start, start you know, hacking stuff and taking some damage. Um, but when I would attack, I'd be like, so would I add my strength to this since it's a physical attack? And they're like, no, not yet. You, you don't know how to do that yet you're you're still starting off so I, I didn't didn't understand his like uh his his skills like what he thought some stats went to so I felt like because of that there like it became really apparent that there was like intelligence would have been the really good stat to add stuff to since we were allowed to sort of bullshit some spells um, like that was mainly what he was trying to test out was like this new uh, idea for like spell casting. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these ended up being based on your intelligence rules or wisdom um or charisma. And so going in, I didn't know that and I, I bumped up all of my like traditional tank stats and ended up being a kind of not very effective, you know, <laughs> character because of that. So that's like the big uh character creation. Most other times, I don't know, hasn't really stuck out to me character creation.
0: Okay. Yeah. No cool. Um, yeah, so I have. Um, <clears throat> let's see. So uh, a positive um, character creation experience is um, my first character I remember playing with any kind of regularity was a barbarian. I think I mentioned him previously, Kron Fadax.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: This is like an eight-year-old character. Uh, <laughs> eight-year-old me. You yeah. Eight-year-old me made creative. him when
1: you were eight <clears throat> and high on the Conan. Uh, Conan.
0: Sure. Drive, it sounds um, and he was a character i think that was yeah and he was a character made uh from the unearthed, unearthed arcana uh barbarian uh which was a really uh as the kids say uh op uh class um and so uh but what i remember most of all about him uh is that um i just i think i rolled his stats in a pretty traditional way and he didn't have he didn't have any eighteens uh this was d and d um he didn't have any uh, mind blowing stats um and it didn't matter uh because i didn't know the system and i didn't know how to min max and try to yeah. make, <laughs> make the character as powerful um as possible um maybe if you're not too familiar with RPGs but min-maxing right? just the idea of minimizing the, the the
1: stuff you don't plan on doing. And yeah.
0: Maximizing the stuff so you're amazing at the stuff that you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can tweak numbers and, and do that. And sometimes when you know a system very well, um, you even do it w- without yeah. thinking. Like, why would I ever take a short sword when I could take a long sword? This right? is
1: how kind of charisma <clears throat> has become known as the dumb stat because it's really only useful for very certain very specific classes um, unless you plan on doing a lot of talking. But
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and our our party becomes interesting when we look at our uh, charisma scores because the people who like to talk have uh, this is in the uh, three point five yeah. that we're running now. Um, mm-hmm. The people who like to do the talking have mostly horrific charismas and the people who have amazing charismas well, just don't talk very much. Yeah. <laughs> so so we'll have <laughs> to
1: like kind of nudge them to be like, hey, hey, you wanna you wanna go ask that guy to do this thing? <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and I think that that's a, a kind of Maybe it's a pure moment in character creation where you don't care what your stats are,
2: mm-hmm. uh, and if you're yeah. someone who
0: never cares what your stats are and you can still have fun, then that's amazing. That's awesome. Go uh, oh, you! But there are other times where, when you when you know more about the system, um, and there are some bizarre rules, like you've mentioned some rules there. Like D and D used to have particularly bizarre rules where uh, there were racial minimums and maximums, and maybe in some cases those make sense. But I remember some of them were fairly arbitrary. Uh, so I had a um, a wild elf, uh, and a wild elf strength, if you were, this is very specific, but if you had an 18 strength and you were a fighter, you could roll percentile dice to have a, a higher strength. And so your strength would be, rather than 18, if you were a fighter, your minimum strength would be 1801, and it would go up to 18100, um, and then after 18100 would be 19. And so uh, that, that difference between an 18 strength and an 1801 strength was actually one point of damage per attack.
2: Oh, And oh, the difference snap.
0: between uh, 18 uh, and 18100, or double zero as we called it, was actually um, two. So um, an 18 strength gave you plus one to hit and plus two damage. 18100 strength gave you plus three to hit and plus six damage, uh, which is ridiculous OP. Um, he, yeah <laughs> and very unlikely to happen but uh what my my story is about my elf uh who rolled an 1880 something oh uh, strength which was really nice uh but his race capped it at 1875 which was i think plus two plus three uh so he should have been plus two plus four by the roll but he was capped by a racial modifier that's a
1: so weird i mean
0: there were some racial modifiers yeah. that make sense. Yeah,
1: racial modifiers that do make sense and, you know, add to the realism. But there, that is another thing, like realism versus what's fun to do.
0: Absolutely. And I, I think that I used to be a big fan of um, the very gritty stuff, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I think less so. I mean, I still like grit in the game, uh, but I also think that um, the 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 fun aspect is why you play the game. And so if there's a rule in place that that just by being there makes the game not fun, um, that's not a great idea. And so that's something that we're going to take into account as we uh, work through the pitch. The pitch. And so um, the way the uh, character creation works in Dungeon Chatter is largely to to have a conversation. Um, And so one of the things that I've, done in the past is just present um, the characters with a scenario or or present the players with a scenario Um, and so I was running a play-by-text zombie game oh
1: yeah I remember that one
0: and I basically just started off by uh, I would text people and I'd say you're driving to a college campus why are you going there um, and so someone text, and the characters had, or the players had free reign to say pretty much whatever they wanted. Yeah. Um, maybe not just whatever they wanted. So, oh, I'm driving my tank there because whatever.
1: <laughs> that um, would be <laughs> really fun, though. Let me tell you. Be. If one person was just like, I'm military and blowing this shit up. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, um, uh, yeah. So someone was like, I'm there because I ha- I'm running late for class. Mm-hmm. And someone else is, I'm there to pick up my girlfriend. I'm whatever, right? So um, they gave me that story. And then I say, oh, and how are you getting there? And someone was on a bike and someone was driving, you know, some piece of trash car and someone was on the bus. I
1: might still have these texts, by the way. I'm going to have to look through them. <laughs> I forgot that I played this RPG. Like uh-huh. we, it was such a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. Interesting.
0: Yeah. um, So back in the day, I think um there were magazines, um Dungeon Magazine and Dragon Magazine, um, Dungeon Magazine had, well, dungeons in it, modules, um, adventures to play through, and Dragon had um, just discussions and rules and items and things like that, and in the back of one of them, I can't remember which, maybe both even, um, were uh, P B E M. well, PBM, I guess, play by mail, right, and they were snail mail. Oh, Uh, uh, games from back in the day.
1: (laughs) Sounds. So like it would just match you up with some other person who mailed in or. I think it
0: was. um, I don't want to get too far off track, but I think that the idea was that someone at the magazine basically was running these games. And uh, they would you would they would send, um, I think, like a letter that would say, here's what you have to do for character creation right back. Right. And then your character would be created. Um, and then you would be presented with scenarios or something. I never played one of those, So, yeah. um, but but the idea always struck me as very cool. Uh, and so um, I started this PBT RPG, which was a play-by-tweet RPG. Um, tweet? Mm-hmm. I
1: don't remember the tweet one. Yeah, uh,
0: because my version never took off. But there's another. Uh, now some Twitter RPGs are really popular. Oh, really? And so um, someone they'll be telling a story, basically, and they tweet out to their followers, and they'll say, um, here are your options, right? So like for this, uh, retweet for that, or whatever, and mm-hmm. then whatever gets the most votes is what the character does. Oh, um,
1: so, so it's a little less like RPG. It's a little more like choose-your-own-adventure. Yeah, like yeah. a
0: form adventure yeah. or choose-your-own-adventure, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, and that was pretty cool. Now, I didn't want to play that kind of game because I didn't want to just have one character. So uh, mm-hmm. when we did the – I still call them PBT RPG, so the uh, play-by-text RPG mm-hmm. – um, yeah, it was just playing a, an RPG through text, uh, through yeah. group, group text. Yeah,
1: through group text, yeah. yeah. And that was, uh, when I played, that was super cool because I didn't know at all what anyone else was doing, mm-hmm. and I, I kind of really enjoy that in a game, The the sort of not having to worry about metagaming and stuff. And, like, I had no idea who else was there. Yeah. And so I, I think I ended up running into people and not mm-hmm. realizing that they were player characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was just, like, fucking around with them. And I was like, oh, snap, I get a text from a random number telling mm-hmm. me, like, talking to me about... I was
2: like, <gasps>
0: whoops! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was something that um, was actually pretty cool. So I, I like the idea of that happening, and I, I made sure that people were okay with this mm-hmm.
2: um, yeah
0: and they were all people in fact well there was one person who ended up playing I didn't even know it was one of um Ty's friends oh uh, so that person played for a while yeah. and um and I didn't know those people uh in the real world yeah I so.
1: think I, I still might have a number saved on my because I didn't know who some of these people were mm-hmm. uh so I, I would save them based on who I had met them so I think I still have like some firefighter dude <laughs> yeah. in my phone because of that play by tags
0: <laughs> uh, um Wow, uh, so that is to say the one aspect of how we go about um character creation is by starting a story and yeah. letting the people think about their character uh-huh um, and the actual and so once it comes time to put this onto your uh character sheet uh, i'm we're experimenting with this method where we just say, take a sheet of paper, it can be a notebook sheet of paper, it can be lined um folded in half uh long way and then other way, right, so you end up with just four quadrants and um, in one of those quadrants, you're going to leave blank for now. Um, in the other three, you're going to put something. And so um, in one of them, you're going to come up with um, your uh, career or vocation. Uh, in another one, you're going to put your training or schooling. And in the third, you're going to put a hobby of yours. Um, and so you get to choose only one of these to start out. Um, and there could be modifiers as we go based on various characteristics of, in like your age and the setting and whatever. Um, but that's the general idea. And so um, I want to talk through what I think is the most difficult uh, piece of this, uh, which is the specificity um, as we're talking through this. So um, I have in mind that um, if you choose um, whatever you say your your, your career or vocation is, it has to be something that you could both say something that is more general and more specific Mm -hmm. that that career fits into. So, for instance, we were thinking about um, Han Solo. Yeah. And so, uh, if Han Solo's career were as a pilot, and maybe it's not, but if it if it were, mm-hmm. um, then he might say that that's. Uh, more specific version of a, a larger thing which would be uh, vehicles so he clearly has not just uh, the ability to pilot stuff but he knows how to fix some stuff maybe not yeah. well but but he knows how to fix stuff mm-hmm.
1: um, well he knows how to fix stuff pretty well just saying according to <laughs> Han Solo the movie <laughs> right,
0: theaters right, right. yeah yeah no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um. Yeah. Maybe I, I. don't know if we should do pitches, but I. I would recommend that you watch the movie. Yeah. It's not a. It's not a great movie, but it's pretty good. Um. And if you read the original, what was once, um, canon source material. The EU. For,
1: yeah. The extended universe stuff. Uh,
0: for uh, the backstory for Han. I mean, this isn't terribly, terribly different. And I. And I actually thought that those original stories were quite good. So eh, check I mean, it out.
1: Yeah. Spoiler. Sorry, I got you off off yeah.
0: track. <laughs> um and so uh so he, he pilot vehicles large a larger area like a larger grouping uh that pilot is part of and uh maybe his specific focus is clearly on these largish ships Yeah, large-ish
1: even ships. more specific you might be like i want to pilot the millennium falcon yeah. and that's okay cool here's another ship that you don't know how to drive now cuz yeah
0: if you choose that specific so if i were your dm i would say well um <clears throat> It was a kind of uh, Karelian Corellian cruiser, yeah. uh, I think. So, um, okay, there's only one Millennium Falcon, but there are ships that are like that that your level of familiarity might help with. Mm-hmm. So um, it's just to say that whenever you choose your profession, say your um, career or vocation, there should be a wider version of that and a more narrow version of that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And the only reason that those things matter is because you're essentially going to start out with um, one of your areas at plus three, which is really good one of your areas at plus two which is good and one of your areas at plus one which is not bad Um, and if you go to a plus three in an area then you're going to have to be thinking about the larger area that it's part of and the more specific focus that you have so Han Solo would begin play um, with decent vehicle skills uh, good piloting skills and he'd be awesome with the Millennium Falcon yeah so that's how that works um, and then we come over to training or schooling, and um, maybe we have these backwards. I don't know. But uh, we put um, smuggler. Yeah. And so um, that is, what did we come up with? That might be part of uh, transport.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: and so if you had a plus two, um, all he would have to worry about is um, his, his intermediate skill, which mm-hmm. is uh, smuggling. That's part of this larger thing, which is transport. And you might say, I don't know, transport and vehicle sound similar. It it does sound similar. Yeah, min maxing. Uh, Maybe it's min maxing, but maybe it's if that's what his vocation and that's what his training was, sometimes that's a kind of nice match.
1: Yeah, yeah. And like, I'm not, you know, condemning min maxing. I think Mm -hmm. that like, if that's what you want to focus on, that's cool. That's a good way to do it.
0: And um, hobby, uh, I don't know if this qualifies as a hobby, but he has some shooting skills, so uh, maybe um, blaster pistol, um, and maybe that's part of a, a general uh, shooting skill or mm-hmm. combat skill. And his specific version, uh, he he fired a modified DL-44. Uh, so if he were to go to level 3 in that, then that's what he would need. Yeah. Um, and just because one of your things starts off, say you start off with a hobby and it's plus 1, uh, but over time you could get it to a plus two or plus three and you could get really good at your hobby and then you would need like a specific version of your hobby. Yeah.
1: Did you do away with the idea of deciding what is the, the most important thing? Like, so when we did kind of a, a play test a while mm-hmm. ago, um, and when you showed it to me, it was like, all right, so name your profession, your training, mm-hmm. your hobby now decide yeah. which one is, so you can still decide like my hobby is like what I've been doing my entire life. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: Okay. Yeah, so um, let me explain what that means in the system, what Victoria is saying. Um, so you choose your career slash vocation, your training slash schooling, and your hobby. And then I ask you, which one of those three is least important uh, or you're least good at or whatever, however mm-hmm. you want to think about that. And whichever one that is, that stays at level one. The other two go to level three. Yeah. And then I ask you to look at those two that are level... I think I just said level three by accident. They go, those two go to level two?
2: Yeah. those. Yeah. Yeah, that's so what I
0: mean to say. So, um, And then you look at those two that are level two, and now I say only one of them is most important or you're best at. So which one is that? And that goes to level three. And so you'll end up – that's why you'll start off with a level three, a level two, and a level one. Yeah. Um,
1: it sort of sounded like you were saying profession, training, and hobby, which makes sense Like if you think about just those words mm-hmm. where level three, level two, level one in order. But I just wanted to, to clarify yeah. if that was still the case
0: yeah it doesn't have to be that you profession that you're amazing at your profession in fact, if it's um you know a job you just got, you might be yeah. kind of garbage at it, uh, but you might have been training for something your whole life mm-hmm. uh, yeah yeah so that's the idea um and so now maybe um to spend a little bit of time just talking through some of these examples to give you a sense and so if we're- ta- uh we're talking about the blood of heroes setting, and so um what are some? vocations or uh careers that you might think about uh so i I, we've written out a few here and so um
1: i I mean a a good one would be soldier like that's a good kind of medieval setting roman setting like soldiers exist anywhere so soldier mm -hmm. is my profession
0: Mm -hmm. um and soldier you can think about what larger umbrella that falls under and you might choose a couple different things Mm -hmm. um so you might choose it for the political aspect of it. Uh, in this case, we chose military. So mm-hmm. uh, being a soldier is clearly a, a kind of subset of being uh, a military thing. doesn't, it does you know, it could, like I said, it could fit into other areas too, uh, but soldiers, military. And then for the focus, we chose, for instance, a swordsman.
1: <laughs> Looked like the sunbeam <laughs> to me a, the from the same. sunbeam
0: or swordsman.
1: I am the sunbeam soldier. <laughs> I mean, that'd be a cool. You could be a magician soldier. Like that could be your focus if you wanted it to be. But yeah, swordsman.
0: You I mean. could. Mm-hmm. Um, you could be a sunbeam swordsman. You could be um, Thunder the Barbarian. Um, if you remember that cartoon from like the sixties.
1: <laughs> Are you asking me? Because no, well, I don't.
0: I only remembered in you know our uh, one audience reruns. member might. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Thunder the Barbarian has just this handle. It's basically a lightsaber before lightsabers. Uh, so it's like a lightning-looking sword um, that flares up when he uses it. So. That's cool. Um, yeah, so um, swordsman as the specific focus uh, would mean, I, I, and you you might choose something uh, similar, like you might say soldier, military, but archer. Mm-hmm. And then clearly your focus is something different, but you'd have some of the same general skills. Um, maybe a, a, a noble profession in the uh, fantasy setting.
1: Uh, let's be a burglar.
0: Mm-hmm. And um, burglar could fall under a couple different... Uh, subsets again yeah. this is a, one of this is an area where you have an option um, and so uh, I like the idea of the kind of athletic burglar who's climbing walls like the cat parkour burglar. yeah A-cur- the parkour yeah. burglar <laughs> uh, there was a, um, i think there was a, a, a special class in D&D called a cat bird burg- no, thief acrobat is what it was the thief, thief acrobat. acrobat yeah the thief acrobat um, and so we've chosen athlete um, mm-hmm. as that general skill. And uh, I chose acrobat as the specific skill because I was inspired by the thief acrobat.
1: (laughs) Inspired by, yep.
0: (laughs) Uh, So what is it that a thief acrobat does that a thief doesn't do? Acrobatics, obviously. (laughs)
1: Clearly. I I just want to see how many times you can fit acrobat into this example.
0: (laughs) Um, So if it's a question of climbing... If it's a question of um, taking a leap of faith, like in
1: Assassin's Assassin's
0: Creed, Creed. Uh, yeah, that kind of stuff, Uh, jumping from building to building, um, that's an area where this kind of burglar would be skilled. And if you were not um, an acrobat, but your specialty were locksmithing, Mm -hmm. uh, then you wouldn't be jumping off buildings. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) hopefully. I mean. (laughs) But you'd be making short work of locks.
1: Yeah, breaking in, sneaking Mm -hmm. in. And, like, one of my favorite things about this is, like, how versatile it can become. And also, I think we're going with the sort of um, say what you want and we'll try to fit it Mm -hmm. into the system. And so it lets you, like, you know, branch out your character in ways that I think a lot of other systems can't do because there's more defined uh, classes and Mm -hmm. things.
0: Yes, Right. So this is something, I don't know if this has become clear at this point, but um, there are no classes in the game. Yeah. Uh, I've... I know that on one hand, classes give a lot of guidance and structure, and that's nice for new players.
1: And for some DMs, yeah, who really just, you know, don't want to have to think about every aspect of of every player, yeah.
0: That's true. I do have a special advantage here because it's my game, so I get to decide how things play out. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Uh, But I want to make this um, so that it's playable. And so I have a note here that one of the most important things about this character creation process is that on one hand, you can go and do all this stuff on your own. You you can uh, make a pitch for your character.
2: Yeah.
0: Um but having the conversation with your DM uh is actually there's a good conversation to be had, which is I want to play this kind of character. So I want to be a ranger with uh whose skills fall under the general area of wilderness and I want to be that mage killer. Remember you yeah. came up with that character last oh, night? Oh
1: yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. I want to yeah, go hunt some some magic workers or magic users.
0: Yeah. Uh, spell crafters
1: spell crafters
2: uh, <laughs> some uh, others uh, sorcery uh, fabricators <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: some uh can't think wizard yeah. wizard men, wizard men. <laughs> uh
0: so whatever that is right so um you want to do it we can find a way to do it right so um what are the mage uh what are the mage killing skills that you might have Would that fit into a hobby? That would be like, you'd be like Brad Pitt. He's in the Nazi killing business, Um, but you're in the the mage killing business. (laughs) Uh, Is it just a hobby? Um, Is it something you've trained specifically for? Or are you actually making a living Mm -hmm. uh, doing this thing? Uh, And yeah, so, and we could talk through that.
1: My hobby is killing wizardmen. (laughs) (laughs) My hobby.
0: Spellcaster people. (laughs) Uh, So um, those are the general ideas here. Um, Yeah, Uh, and so I I think that at this point, we would normally come to the section that is called hack and slash. Um, And so one of the drawbacks um, yeah. I think I actually started to say this before that break. One of the drawbacks to a classless system, or one of the benefits of a classless system, um, is that structure that it provides. But one of the drawbacks is...
1: I think you said that backwards. One of the benefits of a classed system oh, is... yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah
0: totally. I, I totally messed that up. Yeah, so one of the <laughs> benefits of a classed system, so where there are classes, like if your character is a warrior, if your character is a ranger, if your character is a cleric, it's a priest, right uh, priestly spellcaster yeah. um that tells us a lot about your character mm-hmm. um and in dnd um especially back in the day if you were a warrior that probably told us you had a long sword and a shield and chainmail right it told us all this information about you
2: mm-hmm.
0: um but one of the the drawbacks to a classed system is that you struggle you have to look elsewhere for the flavor or you might struggle to make your character stand out you might even this is a problem that i think newer Players have yeah um, you might not have a person personality. like you might not have any idea about who your character is yeah
1: I remember when I came into the d d game and I was like I want to be a ranger that sounds cool and I had no idea what else like I, I was just all I was picturing was through the woods maybe on a horse shooting some arrows and that's all I had to go on getting into the D&D and it really showed in the first few times we played that I didn't have any sort of personality mm-hmm. beyond uh whatever like there wasn't much role playing to it it was right. just thinking of stats and um what i could do and what i could not get away with
0: so the um sometimes so role master r o l e master that game uh mm-hmm. that's I, we've talked about this before it's that more complicated version of miller's role playing um role master is sometimes jokingly called r o l l master cuz yeah. all you do is roll and roll and roll and roll and roll, and roll. And some, sometimes I think people talk about role-playing as R-O-L-L, where the game is just about rolling the dice and, yeah. and doing all this stuff. Um, and, and I do think that with new players, that can become a trap that you might fall into, uh, yeah. where I, I don't know anything about my character. All I know is, like, what die do I roll now? What do I roll now? What do I roll now? Yeah. Um, and not have much personality. Um mm-hmm. uh,
1: and I mean, I think that's tough for most people mm-hmm. unless you kind of do that. Like so actors I think have a really easy time getting into a personality where most people don't have to don't normally think of this sort of creative stuff. So it, it does take a long time for them to get into a sort of, you know, not themselves in mm-hmm. what they think this uh setting would be. Sure.
0: So this is so I'm I've always been happy to go without classes in my game. Um then there are reasons for that. So, uh, what maybe what we should do as a kind of troubleshooting thing is to provide some archetypes, some sample characters. Yeah. I mean, you could always just take one of those sample characters if you want, um, and you you know by reading the character bio, uh, you would be able to figure out this is kind of what my character is about, and I and I can I get it, and I can play that character. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if that's too limiting to you, then this is the opportunity for you to um, have a conversation with your DM. I don't even know if we're going to call the DM, the DM. Uh, maybe it's GM. the referee,
1: the GM, or whatever. just say,
0: yeah, GM. The referee. Yeah, referee is some game uses referee. I don't know.
1: I, I really want to go with that, and then I'm just going to get you a black and white striped shirt for whenever we play. <laughs> yeah, you'll just be the ref.
0: The ref. And do. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so it's to have that conversation with your uh, GM, let's we'll mm-hmm. say, about, uh, well, what exactly can I do? Um, what's too specific here? What's too general here? Um, and I want to make that the kind of thing that is resolved by conversations, so not by DM stipulation and not by a player, you know, just saying it, yeah. Uh, but by conversations. Um, I, I think ultimately, everyone's going to have to decide on something because otherwise, a, a DM or a GM isn't going to run a game that they don't want to run. Mm-hmm. And if a player doesn't want to play, then they're not going to play. Yeah. So um, somehow, or other people have to come together and understand. And so. Um, some ground rules for what might be acceptable that's why earlier i said when we were talking about that play by text rpg if someone says i okay there's a zombie outbreak that i that you don't know about by the way um and yeah. i i roll up in my uh tank i'm like well i mean yeah. that's probably not right yeah um but maybe maybe it's just um you know if uh, you've got
1: a good reason like i feel like if you can make a case for what you want to do sure. like that's a yeah
0: And uh, for what it's worth, I mean, the tank wouldn't have unbalanced that game because it was too much. Your tank was useless in classrooms and (laughs) offices. You just
1: blow through the college (laughs) killing hundreds of people in your path. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, And so uh, choosing to be a mage killer uh, in this world is fine. Um, Now, saying uh, I'm someone who raises dragons, that might be a little difficult in this world, uh, but it might be able to work. You could have a little tiny baby dragon. Yeah.
1: Little, little, what are they called? Dragonites, dragon something?
0: Uh, youngling? It, I, don't know. I don't.
1: Whatever. Anyway. Dragon pups. Dragon pups. <laughs> we are trademarking dragon pups.
2: <laughs>
0: they uh, bark.
1: They they tilt their head. They're beagles. They're just beagles. They're not dragons at all. They're just called dragon pups.
0: <laughs> and they could fit into an RPG without problems, I think. Yeah. Okay, so um, we're troubleshooting, right? So yes. um, we've got, um, okay, if there aren't classes, is this going to be um, you know kind of too arbitrary? Yeah. Not necessarily, but that's a risk I'm willing to take. Uh, that's the whole basis for this dungeon chatter idea mm-hmm. is uh, to use conversation to resolve some of these difficulties. Yeah. Um, and uh, so about the specificity and the generality, uh, those are issues. I mean, they they I mean, really, yeah. Yeah, those mm-hmm. are issues. Um, there are, yeah. There, are, yeah.
1: Go ahead. Uh, I was just, uh, so I don't want to like. So the one of the things that I think is an issue with um classed systems and things like D and D is that to account for everything, there has to be a rule for everything, mm-hmm. um, which is what makes it super confusing. And you're like, I, I don't remember that I can do this because I'm a gnome bard or whatever, mm-hmm. and that specifically gives me advantage on whatever. Um, But then with this generality thing, I was talking to you about this way back when is that sometimes like players and GMs can kind of get along in some ways. But if they the player really wants to do something and the GM kind of has not final say, but has the the, like it's their game. um, If there's not a rule to sort of um, rule, you know, Mm -hmm. on what is allowed and what isn't, that that could be a problem with uh, specific, you know, in specific context
0: right I mean so um, girdle's incompleteness theorem tells us <laughs> that um, no uh, system of rules is going to be complete yes yeah uh, so um, the uh, maybe the worry is about how frequently yes uh, disputes yeah yeah, yeah, might yeah. Occur, right mm-hmm. so so if I choose military and I say I have military skill shouldn't I be able to
1: climb over this barbed wire fence without hurting myself
0: yeah, I, really good question. And I look at your soldier and swordsman and I say, probably not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> should I be able to climb over if I'm burglar and acrobat? hmm Perhaps. That sounds much more likely, right? Yeah. So uh, was that magic what I just used? Uh, no. Uh, but again, those are the kinds of conversation that people should have. Um, you can't have them all ahead of time, so you just have to trust. Um, yeah. yeah. You just have to trust the group dynamic. I've got some proposals, by the way, for... Um, uh, in a couple weeks, we're going to talk about um, experience, mm-hmm. and I've got some interesting proposals for group dynamic stuff. Um, and I actually think that if uh, you take, you could do it however you want, but I think one way that works pretty cool is if um, if a DM or GM makes a ruling and the player disagrees, there's an anonymous vote, and if all the players are unanimous, they outweigh the GM.
1: It has to be a unanimous yeah. vote.
0: Yeah. Be- okay. Because someone's telling, you know, someone's running this thing and setting it up, it's, it's an idea to think about.
1: All right. Yeah. I like the group vote <laughs> idea outweighing the GM. <laughs> I think that unanimous might be tough, specifically with our group, because we get into fights. That's and true. I, so, all right. I get your point. <laughs> I get your point. Whatever.
0: Maybe this could bring you together. Right? <laughs> so it, uh, it's like, but I voted yes on that other one. Come on, right? And, yeah. then, and like, fair enough. And, uh. <laughs> uh I kind of like that idea. I like yeah. it too. Um, okay uh so let's see. so what we've done then is we've talked through um not all of character creation, right? so um we've talked through basically uh what we've talked through today is what stands in for the generation of your um stats or attributes and skills, so attributes and skills, mm-hmm. so in d and d that would be strength, intelligence wisdom dex con charisma, comeliness if you're playing the other one mm-hmm. right. Um, and also your non-weapon proficiencies. Or in the current rules, those uh, stats and your uh, skills and feats.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, in Middle Earth, it was your uh, proficiencies and your stats. Um, I don't know what all the other games call everything, but you know, your, yeah. mostly statistics and skills or something yeah. like that.
1: General, yeah, generally people understand skills and abilities.
0: Largely what you can do and who you are. So now you might think, but you didn't give us any like where was strength in there right where was dex in there yeah um and i'm uh not a proponent of that uh type of that that's just not how humans are you don't have a strength Um, You have abilities and uh, you might even call them intelligences, right? So you have uh, these intelligences at doing things. So I can move my body in this kind of way. I'm good at music. I'm whatever. That's Um, a good
1: point. Yeah. Because, you know, you might be able to easily lift like a 50 pounds, but I might be able to, in a way, lift that same 50 pounds, but not using the same skill set that you would. Yeah. So
0: Right. And and just because, um, I don't know, you, so someone who um, could bench press, I don't know, 500 pounds, Um, not all those people can do even one pull up depending on their body weight. So this measure of strength, like what is this measuring? If it measures how much you can carry, okay, how does that transfer over to how much I can lift? Those are two different questions. Um, but I did have one really quick uh, example that I was thinking of, um, in terms of suppose you had a hobby, um, and you chose, um, yeah. So suppose you chose something like, um, working out as a hobby Mm -hmm. and that was generally part of fitness. And as your focus, you chose powerlifting. That would give you a kind of general set of skills. I mean, powerlifting is bench squat and deadlift, right? So um, that would be a case where it would make perfectly good sense and it would be somewhat quantifiable. But bench squat and deadlift doesn't say anything about how much you can uh, snatch or clean and jerk or, I don't Mm -hmm. know. Jog. Yeah. I mean, so
1: people think, (laughs) like, I work out, so you must have, you know, some stamina. But you might not have any stamina if you can, you know, if all you do is deadlift and squats and stuff. you know
0: So this is just to say, um, uh, you're right. um, I didn't forget to include (laughs) stats. Um, There are no stats. Uh, There are, however, these kind of skill-like things, these this vocation uh, or career this training and schooling and the, the hobbies uh, and so and that handles all of the um, your capacities basically what you're capable of and and then now there's some other stuff that's left over like your personality I think some of that comes out in the talking through um, yeah. the developing those things and some of them comes out in the second conversation that happens which is like uh, I said earlier so you're going to the college like why are you there or your village is burning. What do you do? Um and you just start to talk about the character without you you don't, yeah. you might not know exactly what your character is, but you start to talk about the yeah. character. Yeah.
1: Your face with something that makes you think, how would this character decide? And yeah. yeah.
0: And that will tell you and that kind of conversation can be used to figure out what your starting equipment is, tells you a little bit about you, it might tell uh the DM or the GM something about your relationships and your motivations, and that's all stuff that the that should be part of the conversation and jot it down for later.
1: Mhm. Yeah. Good? Sounds good.
0: All right. Um, Well, um, that has been uh, Dungeon Chatter. This was... C was for...
1: Character creation.
0: Um, so uh, please be sure to hit up uh, our Twitter, uh, check out the show notes if you want to know about the uh, mailing list, mm-hmm. which will be amazing. Trust us, it's going to be super amazing. <laughs> it's, it's, our,
1: it's it's wild. <laughs> y- y'all ain't prepared for this mailing list. <laughs>
0: um, and so we'll be back next time with the letter D, and D is for? Damage. D is for damage. Yes. So we'll be discussing wo- uh, wounds.
1: Wounds. Woom- We're discussing wounds. Wounds. <laughs>
0: wounds Uh in the RPG world.
1: Nice. Very specific. It's a lot of wounds. check us out at dungeonchatter.com or follow us on twitter at @dungeonchatter. dungeon chatter travis has neglected all human relations in order to master twitter so you should go fill the void in his soul and if you liked our show we'd really appreciate it if you left a review on itunes and told your friends who are also into rpg stuff and thanks a bunch if you've already done so our next episode d is for damage will be out in two weeks on friday september 7th so we'll see you then so yeah thanks a lot for listening And may you best all your bridge trolls.